Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. Right there was the uh, the line that really should have given away the title many years ago, waiting for the break of day, and then 25 or 6 to 4. Chicago, 25 or 6 to 4 in the morning. Anyway, uh, good Saturday, everybody. Final Saturday in uh, March. It's springtime. And we should all be feeling better. Okay, just checking. Now... I was paying attention to two Angus Reid polls this week, as I'm sure many Canadians were. And the first one was about Canadians. If Canadians, who are not members of Parliament, were voting in Parliament on Motion M103, the anti-Islamophobia motion by Ikra Khalid, the uh, member of Parliament, liberal member of Parliament in the Toronto area, um, if it had been the non-parliamentary Canadians voting, it would have gone down to defeat. As it was, it was a victory for um, MP Khalid and the Liberal Party and those who supported the motion. 201 members voted for it, 91 voted against. Many of them were conservatives who voted against it. And one of the issues was the fact that Islamoph- Islamophobia is not defined. And in my position was... The MP who's delivering the motion should also then be able to provide a definition of what it is that you're going to be studying um, as far as a, a problem is concerned. Islamophobia, the, what's, the, what's the definition of Islamophobia? If you're going to study it as parliamentarians, then you should at least know what you're studying. And then there was the other Angus Reid poll that has to do with the popularity of premiers in this country. And I noticed that each and every premier has gone down in popularity uh, between the 15th of June of of last year and uh, the 17th of March of 2017. Every single one of them. Shaki Carroll joins us uh, from uh, Vancouver. She's the vice president of Angus Reid Polling. Shaki, thank you for taking the time, and every single premier has gone down. Uh, every single one of them. And people often ask me, Roy, they say, Shachi, what is going on? You know, why, why, why are provincial leaders so generally unpopular? I mean, it's a good question. But some, as we know, Roy, are dropping a little bit steadier and a little bit further and a little bit more alarmingly than others. Oh, yeah. There's one in particular who I think had better be looking over her shoulders to see who from within the party may be wanting to succeed her and fairly quickly, and that would be Kathleen Wynne, at 12% popularity, 12%. Yeah, and popularity, when we talk about definitions, of what does that really mean? We're not talking about, does she get picked first at, at dodgeball? What we're really talking about here is whether or not people approve or disapprove of the job she is doing as premier. 
and you you heard it and you said it exactly only 12 percent just about one in ten ontarians approve of the job she's doing right now and there are a number of reasons for that we've canvassed that because you know at one point her job approval was at 41 percent back in the day it's been declining steadily uh, and and uh, for a long period of time, but it's really uh, this big issue with Ontario Hydro that's that's really kind of put her into a tailspin. Is she in a position where she might be able to recover? And one of the one of the the, the, the sort of sidebar issues is the lack of visibility of the Progressive Conservative Party leader, Mr. Brown, and the the absence of the NDP as far as visibility in Ontario is concerned. Now it's kind of leaving the door open for Premier Wynne to maybe take the, you know, decide what the path is going to be, the path of discussion and topic, topic and debate is going to be. Yeah, you know, there there is a lot of political math that's being done at the moment. On the Ontario Liberals' part, there are a flurry of conversations that are no doubt happening uh, ever since Greg Sobera came out and said, hey, I, I'm the one who supported uh, the leadership of Kathleen Wynne, but now I don't see her being able to continue and carry on uh, into the next election. There's a, there are a lot of questions about whether or not institutional and grassroots Donors uh, of the Ontario Liberals would stick with the party if Kathleen Wynne was carrying the standard into the next election. And, of course, there's another question, which often doesn't go asked or answered, which is, is there anyone really logically waiting in the wings? Because if there isn't anyone better, isn't it better for her to just sort of continue to stick around? This would be the argument that some would be making within the ranks of the Ontario Liberals, to just stick around and see it through, because uh, who needs a a big leadership shakeup if it's going to give us no bump in the polls. So you look at that. But on the other hand, you know, politics are strange things and stranger things have happened than a comeback, although a comeback at 12 percent. I mean, the odds are not on it. It it is it is increasingly looking like this is not something that Kathleen Wynne can turn around unless, of course, Ontario, uh, Ontarians uh, all open up their hydro bills in two or three months and say, well, that's better. All is forgiven. I don't see it happening, but let's see. We, uh, we, we might see that happening. Ontario voters have done odd things in the past. Are there other provinces, other leaders, other provincial premiers who caught your attention, particularly in the survey? Well, this wasn't a great outing for Bradwall. I mean, you and I have talked uh, at length in the past about sort of this this aura of Bradwall. He is consistently the most uh, popular premier uh, in the country, the most approved of, and and generally uh, has approval ratings well over and above 60%. Uh, Bradwall's uh, and the Saskatchewan economy have run into trouble. Uh, There was a deficit after years and years of, of balanced budgets and surplus budgets that was supposed to be projected at under half a million dollars, under a half a billion dollars, but 400 million that has now ballooned to 1.3 billion. Uh, he's had to introduce an increase in the sales tax. And this is a guy who was once sitting at 67, 66, almost 71 percent approval. I mean, that's unheard of. He's now sitting at 52 percent approval, which in the great perspective, is a level and a number most provincial politicians would kill for, they would stab for, they would pray for. (laughs) 
Uh, and certainly Kathleen Wynne would be at the moment. But uh, Brad Wall has been caught in a, in, a, in a sustained downward trend for a while. And let's see if he can convince this, uh, people in his province that, hey, I really do have it figured out. We've hit a bit of a wobble, and let's see where we go next. Or whether or not they're going, you know what, maybe you aren't Mr. Wonderful after all. But we'll watch and see. Yeah, 52% puts him at the highest rating of any premier in the province or in the That's country. Right. But uh, and, and yet that, that speaks six, volumes. It speaks volumes as does a drop of six points in one quarter. Uh, so That's big. you know we it's uh, I, I would I would agree. Let's put this in perspective at a moment. At the moment, still the most popular in the country, still uh, well loved by by more than half of his people. But it used to be close to three quarters. Yeah. Can you stay with us a little longer? Just need to take a break, and then I'd like to ask you about the uh, polling on M one hundred three. Yeah, I'm hanging around. Okay. Thank you, Chucky Curl is the uh, Vice President of Angus Reid Polling. She's joining us from uh, British Columbia. So why did 201 MPs vote to support, study, and report back on M103 when the MP who brought forward the motion is unable to provide a definition of Islamophobia? We'll come back with Jackie Curl right after this. Taking on the Titans, standing up for the little guy. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I just had a look at the uh, popularity of the premiers across the province from the Angus Reid polling or prov- across the country. And I'll tell you, with the exception of well, maybe two, I'd be a little worried if there were a series of provincial elections today. The incumbents might not do so well. Shachi Curl is with us from Angus Reid National Polling. And so we talked about the premier's pol- popularity poll. Now, getting on to M103, 201 MPs uh, for M103, Shachi 91 were opposed. Um, Can you break down for us how the average Canadian who doesn't have a parliamentary office saw this particular motion differently from the MPs? They were really divided on this one, Roy. There, there was a great deal of uncertainty. So at the end of the day, uh, I can't say most, but the plurality, the, the, the most number, said that they would vote against it. That was 42%. So not quite a majority, but, but a greater group than anyone else. About 30% said they would vote for it. And the other 30% said they didn't know what to do, and they ultimately would have abstained from that vote. So if you take the abstainers out, it would have been defeated. Uh, and that really speaks to some, some existential division around this issue. So, you know, we agree with a lot of things when it comes to uh, the, the issue at hand, but we're not so sure that this is the right way, this motion was the right way to be going about it. And I'll explain that. The majority in this country do believe that Canada has an increasing problem with anti-Muslim attitudes and sentiment. They are definitely of the opinion that the shooting at that mosque in St. Foy was a sign of a deeper problem in the country when it comes to anti-Muslim attitudes. But at the same time, they weren't convinced that Forget legislation. This thing was a non-binding motion. It was a request to government to study something. And, and, and really the question was, in the minds of Canadians, is this the right way to be fighting these anti-Muslim attitudes and sentiments? Is this the right way to be going about it, or is this simply symbolic? 
And the thing that was most telling for me was that only only one in ten Canadians, Roy, actually thought this motion would have any impact on improving anti-Muslim attitudes, anti-Muslim discrimination in the country. And 30% thought that it would infringe on freedom of speech. Would it have made a difference had there been a, a, a tight definition of what Islamophobia means, what it is these MPs will actually go away and talk about? You know, uh, we we didn't ask that question specifically, and nor do I have a crystal ball, but common sense tells me, depending on what that definition was, it probably would have made a difference, because we would have at least known exactly what everyone was talking about and been on the same page. It might have made a difference uh, had uh, the motion been amended to include all different uh, faiths and, and, uh, and groups who might be uh, on the receiving end of discrimination and, and discrimination discriminatory uh, talk, feeling, action in this country. Uh, there, there was a lot of room for woulda, coulda, shoulda. But I think at the end of the day, this one is really a bit of a pox on both houses, where the liberals in many corners are seen to have been playing politics with this issue. And the conservatives, even though they did propose an amendment by voting against it, certainly uh, have the, uh, the run the risk of turning off would-be voters, especially in urban centers and more diverse centers of the country. You know, their base may have been very much on side, but you can't win an election with just your base in this country. I don't think either side ended up showing particularly well on this one. Was there a demographic breakdown? Yeah, there was, absolutely. You saw younger people more inclined to say that they'd vote for it and more inclined to say that they understood what the issue was about and believed that Islamophobia, or as we defined it, we tried to be a bit more precise, anti-Muslim attitudes and discrimination uh, was was a real thing. And they, they said that they would be more inclined to get behind it. Older Canadians, more skeptical. You tended to see the same thing in terms of a gender split. Women, uh, more kind of equivocal on the issue, a little bit more unsure. Men, more likely to take a harder line and just say, we're voting no. And uh, you tended to see it across the country, too, in different ways. So looking at these numbers, looking at what you found out from uh, demographically and just regionally, and looking at the big number that you saw, when the actual report comes out 240-odd days from now, is there going to be um, a likely great interest in in, in what the report says, or do these numbers suggest that when it comes, it's going to be a whole home response? Well, you know, I would like to think that in a, in a perfect Canadian world, it would be a, a bit of a uh, a little bit in, in between, in that we don't want it to be a ho-hum response when six people are murdered for simply practicing their religion uh, in their house of worship. But at the same time, my fear is that when this report comes out, uh, the, the conversation will once again turn to the uglier side of this, of this discussion, which is, you know, is it overblown? Or are we being too sensitive? That kind of thing rather than really sort of saying, okay, let's let's look this in the mirror, let's face this, let's not play politics, and that goes for both sides. That goes for both sides. And if we have a problem, and if we acknowledge we have a problem, let's get real and let's think about some constructive ways to deal with this, rather than one side saying, if you're not with us on this, you're a bigot, and the other side saying, there's no problem here. Yeah, because we also had a situation in Montreal where an imam has been accused of hate speech at a mosque. And, and so we have, we have these 
um, highly emotional situations that that uh, are reported on, and then there's the visceral response that that takes place. Uh, th- there's a lot going on right now, and one of the things that I don't like, Shachi, and we only have about two minutes here, is that politicians just seem to have this, particularly in the last couple of years, not all, some seem to have this determination to point the to to, to ascribe the label racist too freely and too indiscriminately. Well, that may be, but, you know, uh, speaking uh, on the side of someone who's been on the receiving end of racism and certain amount of discrimination, I don't boohoo about it, but at the same time, it is real. So I think we, we have two problems. We have one problem where, uh, you're right, some people may be too quick to ascribe that word for simply asking a question or simply saying, well, what are we actually talking about here, or why are we approaching a problem or an issue this way? That doesn't make me a racist to express some skepticism. Absolutely not. But at the same time, I think we also have some issues with uh, with uh, a sense that, that there are others who would like to hide maybe some reluctance or reticence to really kind of uh, accept what's happening, which is that the, the face of this country is changing behind issues such as free speech or, or a perceived threat to their freedom. At the end of the day, Roy, we still live in a very, very free country. But I'll leave you with this. I recognize and accept, and this is something I say when I give talks and I give speeches, we are not the totally welcoming, accepting, tolerant country that we like to think we are. And that's a controversial thing to say, but it's true. And guess what? We're not even a 100 years from the Exclusion Act that prevented people from Asia and a lot of colored folks from emigrating legally to this country. We're not even 60 years from First Nations in this country having the right to vote. We're only a couple of generations removed from some pretty hardline, discriminatory, bigoted views. So I would like to think that we'd have actually come a long way, but we need to recognize that we've got further to go, and it's got to come with time, and it will come with time. But, you know, there's shock that some folks still don't uh, get on board with this idea of a multicultural utopia. Well, guess what? That's life, and 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 it's going to take time. It will take at least another generation. Yeah, and keep in mind to feel for people to feel comfortable. In the few seconds we have left, let's keep in mind that the report, when it comes out on Islamophobia, two hundred and forty days plus from now, will be following European elections, which many argue are being fought on at least fundamentally. If you break if you break right down to the nucleus of what the elections are about, will be race. So there's a lot to talk about. Shaki, it's, uh, it's actually it's always great talking to you. I, I appreciate it so much. You're, uh, you should be doing this for a living. <laughs> always a pleasure. Roy. Have me back anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. There's Shachi Curl from uh, Angus Reed. All right, 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428 is my number. M103, motion 103, the anti-Islamophobia motion. Would you have voted for it if you were a member of parliament? Do you think it is something that the MPs should be studying now for two, the next 240 days or not? 1-800-263-2428. Give me a call. 